2: Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
3: All right, everybody, it is Friday, June 10th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning on this free-for-all friday i am mike heck thank you for joining us appreciate you all very very much we are on the eve of ufc 275 which goes down tomorrow in singapore over to Shara versus yuri Perhashka for the ufc light heavyweight title at the top of the bill balancing to shevchenko will defend her ufc flyweight title as well as her number one Spots on the women's pound for pound list as she takes on Tyla Santos. We get the rematch of all rematches between Yoani on Jacek and Zhang Wei Li. Main card looks a little bit different. We just had the UFC 275 weigh ins. All fighters who actually stepped on the scale were successful. All made weight. All their fights are official. However, not everything can go according to plan because, as we reported, just before the weigh-ins began, Hajorio Bonturine was hospitalized. He had some kidney issues due to his weight cut to the flyweight limits ahead of his fight against former Ryzen champion Menel Kopp. There's a fight a lot of people were looking forward to. Unfortunately, that fight is no longer happening, so that's gone. However, a fight that a lot of people have circled as sort of their "quote unquote" low key banger hops on up to the main card between Jake Matthews and Andre Fialio. So we have lost one fight. Main card gained Fialio versus Jake Matthews, which is a fight people wanted to see anyways, but got a feel for Menel Kopp. Guy, this is a big one for him. He needed this one chance to fight in Singapore and it's just not going to happen, unfortunately. But rest of the card looks good. It's happening. And the top three fights are fantastic. Main card's pretty good. There's some sneaky good ones on the prelims. I know it's not the most star-studded card from top to bottom, but all in all, I think it's a pretty good card. Pretty good way to spend a Saturday night. And just remember, the next one is International Fight Week. So we got a lot to look forward to. The next, the next bunch of cards are all pretty solid. All have really interesting main events. So we have a lot to look forward to as MMA fans. And I also want to throw this out here because if you were watching BTL yesterday, I was teasing something, which you all know about by now. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe this just happened. And then my power went out. So Casey had to kind of host the show the rest of the way because we had a tropical storm just crush my neighborhood, knocked all the power out for several hours. Knocked out the cell phone data so I couldn't even hop in on my phone. I mean, it just it was just vicious what happened. Uh, to the power, to the electricals in the area. And BKFC in August in London, we're going to see Mike Perry take on Michael Venom Page in the main event on, I believe it's August 20th. I could not believe it. I had to check with like multiple people to make sure that this was like a real thing. And this is real as it gets, my friends. It is actually happening. Mike Perry versus MVP BKFC in London. Wild, wild, wild stuff. Props to Scott Coker and Bellator for letting this happen. But just craziness. But it is a free-for-all Friday. I'm done talking. I'm not done talking, but I'm done sort of leading the conversation. And I'm going to let you guys do the talking. Free-for-all Friday. Get your stuff in here. We'll go for about an hour. All you. Motivated Andy, you're up first. What's up, buddy? Um,
4: So I just had a conversation with Chris Lieben uh, this past week, and he is making his judging debut for Cage Warriors. And during the conversation, he said it took him five years of doing amateur reffing and judging on the uh, amateur circuit for CSAC in order to get in. Do you know if – I know that CSAC is kind of, you know – they're the cream of the crop in terms of athletic organizations or whatever for States. Do you know if that's the same case for like New York or like Texas, or do we know the stipulations to becoming an actual pro in the like judging
3: refereeing space? That is a very good question. I don't know. That is something I will look into for sure. I have no idea. But California, like you said, it is the gold standard. That's how they do it. And good on Chris Lieben for having the patience and the wherewithal to go through five years on the amateur scene. Now he's going to judge. I know he's refereed a bunch of fights, and that's good. We need more of this. Now, my one concern, I know this has been a thing with judging especially. We want more fighters judging because they quote-unquote know what they're talking about, and there's truth to that, 100%. My one concern about having fighters judge fights is that and I'm not saying this would happen there is an honor system in martial arts we, we 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 it's it's martial arts there's an honor thing there's a code if you will but I'm concerned about fighters judging fights for people they know friends like they don't have to be obviously if they're they train at the same gym and stuff they would probably never line up judge a to judge the fight for the teammate but it's a small space it's a small circle there's a lot of fighters but it is kind of a small circle especially if you're judging regional fights you probably know almost everybody so that's like the one thing that kind of concerns me but other than that good on chris great guy guy who has overcome a lot has changed his life in a lot of positive ways and We need more Chris Liebens in an official capacity. So good on him. Excited to see how this works out. And for those watching Cage Warriors, I will probably not be watching it. But for those who will be watching it, let me know how he does. Let me know how his scorecards read, if he's on the money or if he's all over the place. Let's go to my man, Toke. Perhaps. Hi, Toke.
5: Oh, nice, nice. Heck of a morning, heck of a morning. Um, So, it it feels weird to praise Bellator, but I I (laughs) think I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Um, Because here, they honestly didn't have a way for them to salvage his image on their own roster since he got uh, wrestled uh, to death. Uh, So, them going out of their way to, like... To get his image back up to speed in a different organization is genius, uh, I think. Uh, I, uh, You know, when you don't have the cachet to ask for a Jake Paul fight, I think uh, getting Mike Perry and bare-knuckle boxing is probably the next best thing. And on top of that, I want to say, yesterday, I think Patrick called me out said, hey, uh, I don't know where all these Europeans have gone. I hope Tope gets back in here. It's like, yeah, I'm right here, man. <laughs> just <laughs> <That's> <laughs> didn't true. go anywhere, man. So, uh, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, just uh, praising Bellator. And, uh, yeah, wax practically on that.
3: Yes, and uh, what a segue. Uh, in In the year of our Lord, 2022, it's June of 2022. There have been – and listen, I, I, I – I have a good relationship with the with the Bellator PR team. They are great people, just awesome. When I go cover their events, they do a tremendous job of making you feel comfortable and making you feel like you know you're you're important. They do a fantastic job. They do a, a wonderful job. I love the people who work for Bellator. But like you said, Tok, it is very difficult to praise Bellator for a lot these days because they have done a lot of things just terribly wrong in a lot of ways. But this they did right. It's a great point about kind of getting MVP's reputation back because if we're being honest, we love the fight. We look at it on paper. We're like, damn, this is really cool. Like MVP versus Mike Perry. Like where are we right now? And we think that it's really awesome. But at the same token, we really think about this fight. MVP's probably going to beat the brakes off of Mike Perry. (laughs) Like this fight is probably not going to be close. MVP is just so fast. His hand speed so good. I just feel. I know it's different in the bare knuckle world, but something tells me MVP is no stranger to some sort of bare knuckle fights. I just feel like MVP is just going to piece Mike Perry up. But Mike's a tough dude, super durable, and maybe he goes the entire five rounds with MVP. But I just feel. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what the betting lines look like. It's in London or in England. I mean, good grief. Everything just kind of favors MVP in this situation, but I love the matchup. I, I think it's cool. I think it's going to do really well on like pay-per-view for them. It's going to get a lot of traffic on fight night for us and everybody else. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that card. It's, it's a great move by all involved. Great move by Bellator for letting MVP do this. I'm sure MVP is getting a nice little bag to do this. And I'm sure Bellator's probably getting a little bit of a of a piece of that Triller money, if you will. So I think everybody kind of wins here, and we'll see what happens. Good on Bellator, and yes, Tok, you are here, and you're here a lot of times. And we always like when that happens. Let's go to James McDonald.
6: Hi, James. How you doing, Mike? Heck of a morning to you. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. Uh, congratulations to your Celtics. Uh, looking to get to the
3: Let's go. precipice
6: of, uh, you know, the first title for this squad in
3: and, and a long time. And uh, they're looking good. They're going to whoop on Golden State tonight, by the way. I don't care. And the referees are going to be awful. They're going to try to – it's going to be favoring Golden State so we can even up the series. But it doesn't matter. Golden State is shook right now, and I love they're it. to have Chris, Ty- Chris
6: Tyone in there repping tonight. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, well, firstly, since we just talked about that, who would you, who's your pick for MVP Brown or Tatum? Oh, wow.
3: Um, It's a little early right now. I mean, the MVP of the last game is Williams for me. Yeah. I mean, he was just, he was so pivotal on both sides of the floor, hustling guys on one leg. (laughs) And he's trying to, to get down there. He was, he was, in everybody's face, it was incredible. He played out of his mind, especially on one leg. But, yeah, Tata played out of his mind. Brown's been great. Marcus Smart's been great. Love it. I loved, it. loved that effort in Game 3.
6: Absolutely. Okay, so, anyways, uh, I saw there was a lot of, you know, uh, tweeting back and forth about Hamzat and, uh, remember the decision, uh, fighting <laughs> in August, I believe, or maybe September, October, one of those months. Anyways, uh, I thought it was interesting because, you know, that's a step back in rankings for Hamzat. And it kind of seems like a tune-up fight for him. What I'm wondering, though, is, to me, I think that where he's got something to prove is more in striking. And this wouldn't really be a tune-up in that regard. It would be more along the lines of something he's already proven to be outstanding at and, you know, grappling and uh, on the ground. I'm wondering if he does want to take a tune-up fight. Who do you think would be the best option?
3: Uh that's an interesting question. I mean, listen, if if you're going to take another fight, because our I mean, Shumaev could fight for the title right now. He could jump over Leon, fight for the belt, and no one's going to complain except for Leon and fans of that area. No one's going to complain. I have been the driver of the train that. Let's let Usman sit out a little while longer and let's just do Leon Edwards versus Hamzat Shemaev for the interim welterweight title. That has been the fight that should have been made since November. Since Usman beat Covington the second time, that was the way to go. Just do that because Leon gets his title shot. Leon gets the bump in pay. Hamzat gets a, a big main event spot. This is as interesting as Leon Edwards ever gets. Everything works out. And if Leon somehow beats Shemaev, a fight with Usman is way more interesting. It's way more compelling. It's a bigger fight. It does pretty well on pay-per-view. People will start to care about Leon Edwards more than they do now. And if Shamayev wins, it just puts an exclamation point on what we already think of Hamzat Shamayev. So that just makes that fight with Usman even bigger as well. It doesn't appear that's happening. It looks like we're, It looks like Shamayev's going to be out for a little while. Maybe. I mean, obviously, that fight with Gilbert Burns is crazy. But... I don't think that the timing will line up for that. I think it will probably be back before October, but now we have this sort of back and forth between Shemaev and Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady has called up for Bilal Muhammad as well. Now, in my eyes, I think that's the fight to make Sean Brady versus Bilal Muhammad. I like that fight. It'd be very interesting. I understand for Bilal, it's a little bit of a step back, but at the same token, I think it lines up perfectly. We're, we're lining up guys who, in terms of interest, in pe- that's pretty much where they're at right now. Star power, everything. They're lined up perfectly. Here's the mistake Bilal Bahamian made, and he made it two fights in a row. He's coming off these big wins. He gets on the microphone, and his call-outs are horrendous. They're terrible. They make no sense, and there was zero chance any of those fights happen. I tweeted right after Bilal's last fight. When he beat Vicente Luque, I said, do not call out Usman and do not call out Covington. Go straight for Shamayev. Get after it. And what does he do? He calls out Colby. What are you doing? What are you doing? If he had gone out and just called Shamayev out right there, and we were fresh off the Gilbert Burns fight, say, hey, pull a GSP. I was not impressed by your performance. I think you're beatable. And guess who can beat you? Me. Me. Bilal, remember the name Muhammad." I'm going to beat you. Meet me whenever, wherever. You're going down, son. Drop the mic. Get out of there. He probably has his fight on the books right now. But he didn't do that. He called out Colby. And then before that, he called out Usman. He had zero chance of getting either of those fights. Zero. Less than zero. It's hard to get less than zero, but he had less than zero chance of getting either of those fights. Luckily, timing has worked out where this fight might actually happen. But... It wasn't, I can guarantee you this is not the UFC's first selection. Muhammad might just luck his way into this fight. And if you're Bilal, this is this is the only fight that makes sense for you. Because if Shemayev takes it, this is your this is it. This is your opportunity. I'm sure he knows deep down he has one chance to fight for the title. Because it's not going to happen again. He fights for the belts and he wins. Good on him. I like Bilal Muhammad a lot. But if he loses, it I mean, it's gonna take years for him to get back to another one. And the best, and it's probably at this point right now, it's probably gonna take another two years to get to a title fight, anyways. Just because of the names in this division, Shamiyev, everything, it's gonna take a long time for him to get there. But the quickest route for him to get to a title fight is by beating Shamiyev, which is why I said. After the win of a Luke, just go after Shamayev, call him out, get that fight and win it. And then you're right there. But if he fights a Sean Brady or fights somebody else, it's not happening. Like he's, it's probably not getting a title fight. So I don't know. Good on him if he gets it. I wish him all the luck in the world. Makes sense to happen in October. We'll see what happens. We shall see what happens.
2: Atlassian. Let's get Justin
3: Phillips in here. Hi, Justin. Hey, Mike. Good morning.
7: I am glad to What's be What's up, here. buddy? And just wanted to say thank you for moving the time back, you and the powers of be. For us West Coasters, this is so nice. I am calling from Marietta, California, the hometown of UFC record holder, Sam Alvey.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Represent, Justin. Represent.
7: Always. And I just have two questions. Um, I'm a little bit newer to UFC fandom, but when I go into something, I go in very hard. Um, So first question, can you help me understand the significance of the ABC cards? Um, Because originally they were talking Hamzat versus Colby, and I was thinking, wow, they must try to make the biggest card possible. And uh, and now we have Yair versus T-City, which is nothing to sniff at, but definitely not Hamzat versus Colby. Um, And then second question, I'm thinking with all these top tier prospects and featherweight in a year's time, it might be the better weight class than lightweight. Um, just with all the crazy fights that could be made, so just want to get your opinion on that.
3: Thank you, Justin. Uh, Sam Alvey, what what? Let's get ready for Sam Alvey's next fight. Uh, I believe it's in August. Um, yeah. So the ABC thing. I mean, listen, I- I'm not sure. You sound like a, a like a young man. You sound uh, a lot younger than I, but ABC has such a rich history of combat sports, a gigantic history, and I, I, it was right around, I think like 1950, right around that, that neck of the woods is when ABC was, that's when they started airing boxing. I think it was called like Boxing Champions of Tomorrow or Future Boxing Champions, something like that. And then they just had big fights for decades over and over again. And and you just, you name them. You name the fighters. They fought on ABC. Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, Perdell Whitaker. I mean, so many. So many. Ali fought on ABC a lot. Almost like for years. Ali was fighting on ABC. George Foreman fought on ABC. I mean, there's a rich history of combat sports on ABC. Wide World of Boxing that was so big growing up in the 80s, early 90s. So that it's a very big deal to have cards on ABC. First one was a very big deal. I believe that was the that was the Max Holloway Calvin Cater card. That was the first one that they did, and it was off. I believe they did a second – was it the Kevin Holland's Derek Brunson card? Or the Kevin Holland, Marvin Victoria? It was one of those that was on ABC. But it wasn't like a huge thing. It wasn't built up as such. Hamzat, Colby would have been huge for July. I knew that wasn't going to happen just because of everything going on. Shmaev just coming off the crazy fight with Burns. Although timing probably would have lined up. But Colby's always obviously dealing with something else outside of the octagon with the, with the Mazadal situation. So I just felt that was super unlikely. But listen, Yaya Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega. And I know Jed's waiting on, on deck here. Jed, I'll bring Jed in because I'm sure he will agree with me. Jed is so happy about this being the main event on ABC because he loves Brian Ortega. He is a giant Brian Ortega fan. And the fact that Brian Ortega gets to headline a card on the American Broadcasting Corporation scratches Jed right where he itches. He's so happy about this. And I'm sure he's going to jump on here and tell us how happy he is. But it's a very big deal. It is a very big deal for everybody on that card, especially Yair, especially Brian Ortega. The pl- like the location of the card is a little weird for a fight like that. Like that should have been maybe California or Texas or something like that. But we're in we're on Long Island, and there you go. Yeah, it's a very big deal, and. If John Annick is not wearing the gold blazer with the ABC logo on it, they're doing it wrong. They're doing it wrong. Speaking of Brian Ortega's biggest fan, hi, Jack. Brian
6: Ortega sucks, dude. <laughs> He's just not very good at fighting. He just somehow wins a lot of fights. And I'll, I'll preach that until the day I die. Um, I know you will. What's up, buddy? Oh, I was just calling to respond. Uh, Featherweight's never going to be better than lightweight. Lightweight's the best division. It's been the best division for a decade plus. It's always going to be the best division because, I mean, broad strokes, that's where the most human beings walk around (laughs) at. Uh, But featherweight might be able to surpass
7: bantamweight, which is a great division but gets overly loved by some
4: people in this space.
3: That's but it. That's really it. Um, and Brian, we'll take a Okay, that's important. Important <laughs> to close, start, and close
7: on that note. You have a heck of a morning, Mike. <laughs> Th-
3: thank you, buddy. Thank you, Jed. I-, I believe he'll be on the preview show later. So if you're looking for some more spicy hot takes about UFC 275, we have you covered. Uh, I see all of you guys hanging out. I will get to all of you. I want to get James Foster in here. I believe this is his first time on the show, but.
8: Happy to have him, James. How are you? Wonderful. It's uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Man, it's hard to follow Jed Mishu. Dude's a goat. But um, yesterday, I had a craving to watch some Cain Velasquez old fights, which kind of raised the question to me: uh, What matchups do you wish that you could have seen with both fighters kind of in their prime? Like, I really wish we would have mm-hmm. been able to see Stipe and Kane and even Anderson and um, John Jones when both of them were still champs so that's kind of my question to you this morning and uh, before I go Mike I have to say uh, I've been with you on Glover first round submission from the start and I feel like I owe you an apology because I thought you were crazy about having um, Homside and Edwards for the interim championship but as it looks like that might happen but either way even if it doesn't, I give all my off points to you. Um, I love you guys. You guys are a great part of my day. I'll hang up, and thank you for taking my question.
3: Thank you, James. What a what an excellent first call on the program. Yeah, I mean I'm with you on a lot of that stuff. Fights that got away, man. I mean this is this is tough. You mentioned Kane Velasquez. I mean, there's a lot of Kane's one of the biggest what if stories. In the sport, because he was just so talented. Just so talented. Injuries just hindered him. We never got to see how great he actually could be. But, I mean, he got into the UFC. And I know this is 2008, but he was in the UFC at 2-0. And just running over people. Won the title. Ran over Brock Lesnar. I'm sure Jed Bashu made some money on that fight. Then we have... I mean, just just the run that he was on. The JDS fight on the Fox debut... Bigfoot Silva, JDS again, Bigfoot Silva, JDS again. Kane is just a madman. He's just He's just a madman. So, he was so good and we never really got the chance to see how good he was going to be. Now there's a couple there's a couple that stick out to me that we never got that there was some energy behind and I feel like Fedor is involved in quite a bit of them. Like Fedor Randy Couture was one back in the day that people really wanted and it couldn't happen. And that was kind of the big follow between the UFC and Randy Couture to begin with. I remember I was in Dallas. I spent a summer in Dallas. And there was a UFC card in Dallas. Um, I'm trying to remember which card it was. Um I don't remember, but I remember being there, and there was talks about doing Brock Lesnar versus Fedor. The UFC was trying to put that fight together to headline that Dallas card, and it never came to be. I I actually don't even remember the main event. I remember Mirko Krokop fought on the card. This was so long ago. I can't remember. I I honestly can't remember which card it was. I'll have to look it up. I'll figure it out. I would say, I mean, GSP, Anderson Silva, for sure. I think that was on a lot of people's lists. And there were some others, but those are just off the top of my head. Yeah, Conor RDA at the time was a big deal, but then we got the Nate thing, so it kind of worked out better for us. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot out there. Jose Aldo against a a number of fighters, especially knowing back then that he could have dropped to 35. Jeez Louise. That would have been a ton of fun. All right. Uh, all right. We will get clearest values in here. What's up? How you doing, Mike? Good. How are you? I'm all right.
9: I've been looking at this card for tomorrow and I'm not nearly as excited as I should be. And I've been thinking about why that is. And typically I get really excited about some of like the undercard and the good prospects. And I just don't think the UFC has done a great job building up any of these prospects. And I don't think there are any, like, real blue-chip future title challengers on the undercard. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about why this card seems so shallow to you. I know, obviously, Cop that fight getting nixed is a big reason also. But even, like, before that, I feel like this card seems hilariously shallow. Um. Like, even to the point where the fight night next week, I'm a little more excited for that than I am for
3: this. Uh, thank you, I, I Listen, I get it. I've, I've heard this from a lot of people. The UFC is also in, in, in an area they don't frequent very often. This is the first time they've done a pay-per-view in Singapore. So this is a – you want to load up the ma- – it has everything the UFC would want in this situation – traveling to a place they don't travel to very often. You have a main card that is going to get people to drop $75 to the United States to watch. You have a fascinating main event. I love Glover Teixeira versus Yuri Prohashka. Fascinating fight. Is this going to be a million pay-per-view kind of main event? Absolutely not. But is it one of the most intriguing fights of the year for me? Absolutely. I love the Styles Clash. And there's a lot of pressure on me personally on this fight because I have been swinging... The hammer of Glover Teixeira since August, since October 30th, since he beat Jan Bohovich. I've been saying since day one, he's going to beat Yuri Prohashka because everyone was already anointing Yuri Prohashka as the champion. And I've been saying, not so fast, people. Glover's way better than you think. Don't let 42 fool you. He's actually seems younger than he did five years ago, which is true, which is true because he's not drinking as much. He's healthier than ever. He's taking things seriously, but he's also doing so very, relaxed, very free, which is a big factor for me in this fight. And on the other side, we want to get people into that stadium right away. So we're going to load it up with talents who people from that area know, like Ramona Pasquale, like Liang Na, like Kyung Ho Kang, Dana Bakery in, in some respect, and even the Australian fighters, the Jake Matthews, Josh Kulabows, etc. So we're trying to the UFC is basically having their cake and eat it too. How are we going to generate pay-per-view buys, but how are we going to get butts in the seats? And I think the UFC has done actually a pretty good job with this card to get the best of both. Now, are the North American fans going to be overly thrilled with the rest of this preliminary card? Maybe not, but people are still going to watch it. And once we get to the pay-per-view, once we get to Ioanni and Jacek versus Zhang Weili too, and now we get Jake Matthews, Andre Fialo on the card, we're just going to be we're going to be firing all all cylinders. We're all going to be excited. So I get it's not the deepest card, but this is a Singapore, this is a card for the Singapore fans, but still going to generate some pay-per-view interest because you have three really good fights on the top. That's the way I look at it. So I get where you're coming from though. I would get why some fans are like, eh, international fight week. Maybe I'll save my money, but at least the prelim fights, you get to watch for free if you want. Let's get Zeke in here. What's up, Ezekiel? Good morning. Heck of a morning to you, Mike. I'm reporting live
9: from the Orlando International Airport ending this beautiful Florida trip that I uh, went on with the family. However, who cares about that? Let's talk about fights. I got two important questions for you. One, I guess you just kind of answered about uh, Matthew Spiala. Uh That is obviously going to take place of Boncherin, Manel Cop. My poor guy, Manel Cop. I mean, every single time they try and schedule this poor man, something happens, whether it's on his end or the other end. Any thoughts on what's next for Mr. Cop? And secondly, oh, my Lord, how in the heck does Sam Alvey still have a job? I love this guy, okay? But we're fighting. We're in the game of mixed martial arts and UFC. We just, you know, had the conversation about a man showing up. He was in Florida, his hometown. We just lost Nicholas Delize in the welterweight division. We're losing other contenders daily, I guess you could see from that UFC roster bot. He was actually in here yesterday, weirdly enough. Uh, But either way, I'm just interested to see how many times we're going to have to see my poor man Sam Alvey go in there and just get steamrolled just for his mental health, man. I just feel bad for him. Uh, And then lastly, I'm going to get on my plane. I'm going to lock in no bets barred and hopefully take some coin home this weekend from Judd Mishu and the boys. So thank you guys a lot, and uh, let's have a heck of a weekend.
3: Thanks, Zeke. Always uh, always a pleasure talking to Zeke. Yeah, I mean, listen, Sam Alvey, I'm sure he's not making – a lot of money for a guy who's fought as many times in the UFC as he has. And I mean, what does it really hurt? People still, Sam Alvey still gets a reaction, whether you just think he's a great guy or you think he's not all that good at fighting and doesn't deserve to be in the UFC when Sam Alvey, his name is brought up, you react to it. So, and I'm sure he's not costing the UFC a ton of money and he still has a name that like, like I said earlier presents some sort of value because people know who he is. and What's what's the worst thing that could happen? You could use him for a couple fights, build up other fighters, I guess. I mean, I get it. There are other fighters that probably deserve the shot, but I think he's got maybe one, two fights left and they'll probably just let him fight him out and then that's it. When it's time for renegotiations and contracts to come up, he's he's probably not... Going to get re-signed, so I get it, man. I, I know, I know where you're coming from with the Menel Cap situation. Listen, I said on, on to the next one. I want Brandon. If Menel Cap beat Hajurio Bonturin, the fight I wanted was Menel Cap versus Brandon Royval. Guess what? Now we can have it. Now we can have it. Let's just put on that. If there's a spot on July on the July 30th card in Dallas, do it there. Royval wanted to be the backup for. The interim title fight between Brandon Moreno and Kaikar France, that has gone to, we confirm this, that has gone to Alexander Pantoja. Pantoja's fighting Alex Perez on that card, or scheduled to, but Pantoja is the backup. So, Brandon Royval, Menel Cape, let's go. Let's go. That's the fight to make. Let's get Corbin Carroll, future MVP, in here. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Mike? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All
10: right, I'm driving to work right now. But I just want to say I'm a big fan of your show and everything you do on MMA Fighting. I've been meaning to get into one of these. I just keep forgetting to go on Twitter when I wake up. But um, I got a couple comments. So first was, or actually this is a question. What happened with Manel Kopp? I didn't see that. I was kind of looking forward to his fight this weekend, especially because I feel like this card is a little bit weak. Secondly, Movzari loyev Now, I'm not saying I know much. I'm just saying in my opinion, After watching that fight, he was one of the only guys in recent memory where I was like, wow, this guy's going to be... I don't know. I was pretty sold on him after that fight. And he reminded me of Colby in a lot of ways with his wrestling, his pace, his chin, and he just did some wild shit on the feet. So I thought that was super fun. And then lastly, I would like to say Guram Kutaladze. I saw that he was fighting in a few weeks. I forget against who and exactly when, but I think a lot of people are going to be talking about him, so... That's it. But I just want to, uh, you know, get up here and talk on your show. So have a good
3: one. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Uh, so I'll go backwards here. Guram Kutataladze, as we first reported, he's fighting Demir Ismagulov next week. And that UFC Austin card, that fight frigging rules, baby. That fight is awesome. I can't wait for that card. UFC Austin is, is really good. And that fight is awesome. Guram Kutatalatze versus Damir Ismagulov. Great fight. Fantastic matchmaking. Love it. That is a fantastic fight. Uh, the other points, uh, Evloya is a madman. The guy's really good. I was very high on him even before the Dan Ige fight. I needed to see a little bit more. The Taporia fight would have given that to us, but unfortunately that fight didn't end up happening. We get Evloya versus Dan Ige. Shout out to Danny Gay for even taking that fight because I mean, it's such a risky one for him. He doesn't say no to anybody, and that's why we love Danny Gay. The dude is just going in there, going hammering tongs, and he's going to give it his best. Fortunately, his best wasn't good enough, and Ivloyev just kind of ran him over. Ivloyev is really good, and he's a guy who I think in the next two years will fight for the UFC title. I think he's that good. I think he's a problem for a lot of these guys right now. So... Maybe he gets. To me, I, I thought we had this big main event coming up at UFC Austin, Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett. I think the loser of that fight makes a lot of sense because if Cater, if Cater loses, he's not going to say no to that fight. And if Emmett loses, it's an interesting styles matchup because Emmett can wrestle his ass off too. We don't really see that that often from Josh Emmett because he's normally knocking dudes unconscious, but Emmett can wrestle his ass off too. So that's an interesting matchup. You can even do the winner of that fight. It just depends on how much you want to push him. I know he called out Arnold Allen. If you want to go back with the, the, to the Taporia route, fine. But Evoyev's a problem. And if you guys missed it, Minel cop versus Hoshira Bonturin not happening tomorrow. Bonturin had some issues with his weight cut, some kidney issues, and he was hospitalized early this morning in Singapore. Um, so he didn't weigh in. Fight is scrapped not on caps end it's on Bontorin's end. we confirmed that multiple people uh before the weigh ins happened but shout out to big marcel uh marcel dorr for first reporting the hospitalization but yeah that's unfortunate terence what's up phil you're on deck
11: hey mike how you doing this morning good how are I'm you good thanks for asking um so what I wanted to talk to you about today, I was listening to Shannon from Invicta, uh, which had me thinking about, like, the fight that she has coming up in Colorado. <clears throat> so in Colorado, of course, you know they have, like, the allowance of, like, the different rule sets. So I wanted to know what's your thought on if, like, Invicta decides to be ahead of the curve, like they have been with open scoring and things like that. I don't want to talk about open scoring, but the fact that they could possibly go to Colorado and utilize this Yukon rule set and be like one of the first people in the United States to do so. Um, I think that'd be a good book for them. Um, and then the second question is your thoughts on Sean Brady calling out Nick Diaz and as well as Masvidal, um, after he just said that one of the boys should be out of the rankings if he's not willing to fight him and he's wanting like the Nate Diaz fights, things like that. Like our fighters like self-aware, Or are they just hoping that we forget what they just said in other interviews? That's all I got for you today. Thank you, Mike.
3: Thanks buddy. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a combination of the two things really. Um, Sometimes. I mean, I've, I've, I've interviewed fighters who say things and they're on fire and then 15 minutes after the interview is over, they are like, Ooh, probably shouldn't have said that. So I think it's probably a combination of the two things in that regard. Invicta, I know Colorado has basically said we could do the sort of the one championship rule set. We could be a little looser, knees to ground at opponents and things like that. I don't think they'll do that. Maybe they will, but Colorado does have open scoring. That is an allowable thing. So I think part of the reason they're going to Colorado is so they could do continue the open scoring train, yet get outside of the Kansas, Kansas City area. But I don't think we'll go – I don't know if we'll go that route. I don't think we'll be seeing knees to grounded opponents or anything like that to the face. But maybe they will. Maybe they will. They're trying to do new things. Let's get Phil in here. And then Jimmy, you're on deck. And then David, you're next. Phil, what's up, buddy?
9: Hey, Mike. How are you? Sorry about my dog. Good, how are you? um, So kind of of tagging on uh, Terrence's question. So Nick Diaz. We all talk about, you know, how he's a fan favorite and everyone loves him. And, you know, I think that we want to really match him up with a realistic opponent. Um, And my thought really behind it was, what's your opinion on the winner of Means-Holland? Really, if, you know, Tim Means gets this win, because he's on a three-fight win streak, um, that to me seems like a stylistic matchup where they're both barn burners and they can just get in there and have fun. It's a fan-friendly fight. And on the flip side, where does Kevin Holland go from there? If he beats... Tim means he just took out one of the veterans in welterweight. You know who do you give him next? Thanks for the time today. Thanks, Phil.
3: Oh, by the way, are you, are you talking about Nate or Nick?
9: Uh Nick Diaz.
3: Nick Diaz. Okay. Um, man, this. I mean, to me, I just don't know if I want to see Nick fight again at all. After the Robbie Lawler fight, I know he had his moments, and he went in there and scrapped and. Did all that stuff, but physically didn't look all that great. He said a lot of pretty disheartening, kind of scary things in the build to the fight. I don't know. I I mean, it'd be a good opportunity for Tim Means if that happened, but if if Nick's going to fight again, I mean, it's the Matt Browns. It's guys like that, like vet fights. These are the kinds of things I want to see. If he wants to go to one set, like if Nick wants to go back to 170, maybe fight Cerrone if he beats Lozon or if Lozon wants to fight a 170, you could do that fight. Like these are the kind of fights I want to see for Nick. I don't want to see him. Tim means would be like, Tim, Tim would probably do pretty well in that fight. Tim's probably the line. I mean, wonder boy would be okay, but like a vet fight, that's what I'd be looking for, for, for Nick. But I just, man, I just don't love, I don't love a lot of things for him. For Kevin Holland, maybe Ponzinibbio, that would be a fun fight. Tim's like a Tim's probably like a top twenty-five guy. I don't know if we're ready to give him a ranked guy. Maybe maybe the loser of Jeff Neal, Vicente Luque on August sixth that would make sense. I could see maybe a Michael Chiesa, although that'd be a tough ass matchup for Kevin Holland, but it'd be a good matchup to kind of test that wrestling out. Yeah, I mean, there's options there for Kevin. But I also don't want them to rush him too much because I feel like he got on that streak. We pushed him a little too fast. The Derek Brunson fight was tough. The Martin Vittori fight, I felt like we knew how both those fights were going to go. But Kevin seems good at 170. We'll see how he does. Let's see how he bounces back. He won his fight against Alex Oliveira. He had a tough first round. Then he got cooking and got the finish. I think Kevin's going to do well at 170, but we have to be careful with how we match him up. It just depends on what you want to do with him. I don't think he should leap a guy like Michelle Pajados on a on a nice streak right now, but the options are a plenty. Uh we're going to David here. Then Jimmy, then Vinny. Sorry, I forgot the uh I forgot the order, but that's where we're doing it. David, don't call me Kevin Costner. What's up, buddy? You gotta unmute. David, are you there? All right, try again, David. Uh, Jimmy, Vinny, you're next. What's up, Jimmy? Heck of good morning, Mike. How you doing? Jimmy Wang Yang in the house.
12: I like that pun, David. Don't call me Kevin Costner. That was, that was funny. <laughs> but I wanted like Chris Berman. I wanted to talk about. I know how everybody keeps saying we need to have like less expectations for Joanna and Waylee too. But I think we're still going to get a great fight because they both keep talking about the adjustments that they've made and the different, you know, the different ways that they're going to attack it based off of the first fight. So I, I still think we're going to get a great fight. It's going to look different, but those are those some, sometimes be the best fights where you got to change up your game plan and maybe your opponent change up theirs because you still might get a firefight because now what's working for both of you may, you may have to alter that as well. And then, Valentina said something that made me realize I think why she's so good. she says she's not worried about like 10 defenses in a row 12 like those type of milestones she says she's worried about what what I took from her, she's worried about getting more dangerous and adding more weapons to her arsenal just trying to find out she said her limit as a human that that is some scary stuff to hear from somebody that's probably already the best. She wants to test her limit.
3: But thanks, Mike. Have a good morning. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I mean, listen, I love Ioana. I love the fact that Ioana Zhang is three rounds. I know I'm not I'm not in the majority there, more than likely. I feel like we saw five rounds. They beat the shit out of each other for five rounds. And wanna looked like a different human being after the fight. Like, we could see... We could have just as much fun with 10 less minutes. Now, are we gonna get to the end of the fight and be like, "Oh man, wish there were two more rounds." There's a good chance that happens, but we don't see these women fighting three-round fights all that often. It's been a while. Joanna, I think she's only had one three-round fight in the last since she before she won the belt against Carla Sparza. It's just a bunch of title defenses and she lost to Rose and she fought Rose again and then she fought Valentina. And then I think she fought Tisha Torres in a three-rounder, but then she fought Michelle Watterson in a five-rounder, fought Zhang Lei in a five-rounder, and then Zhang hasn't fought in a three-rounder since before she fought for the belt. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see how each woman approaches two less rounds and ten less minutes. I like it that way. I'm fascinated by it. It's a great fight, and I expect chaos and wildness, but... I don't think it's going to surpass the first one because I don't think really any fight outside of maybe three others ever are going to surpass that. So it's just, yes. I mean, actually, just go in there and have fun with it, and I think we'll all be happy and we'll all enjoy it. And Valentina is such an animal. She's just so good. She's the best fighter in the world. I said she was the best fighter in the world. I put her number one pound for pound in my rankings before Amanda Nunes fought Juliana Pena. After that performance against Lauren Murphy, that was it. Another perfect game. She's just going out there and pitching perfect games. She, The Jessica Andrage performance was unbelievable. And I don't think that performance gets enough credit. That Jessica Andrade's performance was unreal. Everyone thought this could be the one. We're picking Valentina, but I think Jessica presents problems. And Valentina heard all that. And she took it personally. And she went out there and had one of the all-time great title defenses. This was a perfect game. She went out there. And just put it on Jessica Andrade, who, in my opinion, is the number one strawweight in the world right now. I know the winner of Joanna and Zhang Weili. According to Dana White, is going to fight Carlos Barza next. I definitely get that. If Joanna wins, I think that's the biggest fight you can make in this division. But I think Jessica Andrade, right now, with Rose out of the picture, and Rose not the champion, and I, I, think Andrade could beat Rose again. I do. I think Andrade is the best strawweight in the world right now. So we'll see what happens. I love Valentina's approach to the fight game. She's just such a... I, I think she's I, I think she's going to run over Tyler Santos. I think she, it's going to be a mercy stoppage in the third round. I just can't have a lot of faith in an upset from a fighter who froze in her UFC debut and lost to Mar- Romero Barella. I just can't have a lot of confidence in that kind of an upset. I just can't because it just shows that Maybe a lot's changed since that. I mean, she's she's turned things around, gotten wins, but the first UFC fight, that's the biggest moment. That's your that's that was the biggest fight of her life to that point. UFC debut, we made it. First one. And she kind of froze up a little bit. And now some of the pressure's off. She's winning these three round fights, fighting on the prelims most of the time. And now we get a five round title fight in Singapore. I just feel like the moment's too big. I do. I feel like it's too big, but that's why they fight. And like I said before, even if Valentina slips on a banana peel, she will find a ninja way to turn that slip into a devastating knockout. I really think the only chance Valentina loses is fight if she, she breaks her leg somehow, and even then, Valentina will still get a chance to win. Let's get Vinny in here.
4: Vinny, what's up? Hey, good morning. How are you? Just wanted um, on. Good are you? Doing
12: good. Yeah. I just want to check real quick um, about Wei Li. Um, Wei Li is
11: fighting against yeah, JJ. That's a great fight as well.
4: Um, but uh, I was wondering, what do you think about the uh, Chinese fighters because of the um, the trainers not being able to do open camps in Shanghai? I mean, is that going to affect them all? Because they, you have a lot of Chinese fighters on this card. So I just wanted to check what you thought. what you thought was on that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I'm not all that knowledgeable about that situation. I probably should be, and I apologize for not. But I know for a lot of these fighters, they, there's different camps to go. You can go to Thailand. You can go to other places. And I feel like Zhang and others have have done that. So I don't put too much stock into it. Here's one thing about this fight that fascinates me more than anything. We got Joanna coming back after the long layoff. And I think that's the question out of everybody's mind. That's the biggest question. I think the biggest question is on Zhang Wei Lee. I actually think the layoff's going to help Joanna. I saw it; on, you saw it on the scale this morning. She did not look destroyed on the scale. And a lot of times when she fights at one fifteen, she looks destroyed on the scale. She looks like that weight cut took a lot out of her. She looks pretty rough. She looked good. She looked healthy. She looked energized. I was happy to see that. And I think a break was probably what she needed at that point. Zhang Wei Li, since that Joanna fight which I felt Joanna won the first time around, but it was the, one of the best fights you'll ever see, not taking anything away from Zhang Weili. From there, Zhang Weili has had tough, two really tough losses. She got knocked out by Rose Namibunis in vicious fashion to lose the belt, got an immediate rematch that nobody really wanted to see, if we're being honest, because we all thought Carlos should just got the shot. They ran it back, fine, we'll go with it. And... Jung, before that fight, changed everything about her life. She went to Cejudo. She went to Fight Ready. Went to Arizona, which I actually thought was a great move for her. She changed her entire life for that moment. And she caught Rose on a bad night. And she still lost. That's tough, man. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. You go through a war with Joanna for 25 minutes. That was super close. Then you get knocked out by Rose. Then you have it. You have probably the best chance you were going to have to beat her. At MSG, and you lose again. Now, watching the fight live, I thought Zhang won the fight, but I've watched it again. and I thought Rose won. So I, I get it. There's no robbery or anything like that. I have more questions about Zhang's approach than than Joanna's, if that makes sense. But that's why I like this fight so much. There's a million questions. And you could go down any path you want in terms of breaking down the fight, and you're probably not wrong, which makes this one so interesting. David, you're up. Can we get you in here, unmute, and we got you,
8: David. Yeah, come on now.
3: I got you. Hey, not much.
8: How you doing? Uh, this is really like a two part thing. Uh, who do you think McGregor is going to fight coming up? And, uh, do you think he'll do any good?
3: Okay. Yes. A lot of talk about Conor McGregor. A lot of talk about he's going to fight Nate? What are they going to do? A lot of people feel like he might be coming back at the end of the year. Uh, I know Ariel talked about it on Wednesday. I heard pretty similar that I would be shocked if Conor fights this year. I'd be shocked. That was a gnarly injury. And good on him. He's trying to get healthy. He's lifting weights. He looks like he's 190 pounds right now. Um, I mean, Conor against anybody works. Depends. Is he going to fight at 170? Is he going to fight at 155? Is he going to fight at tweener? I think they'll probably go... I think Dustin's probably not a good idea. I think Usman's a horrible idea. Yeah, I don't know. Mazadol's a great choice. That's probably the one. It's probably Mazdal. I mean, unless you just... I, I kind of liked the cowboy route where you give a guy with a name, but you have a very good chance of beating. That's probably the way to go because you got to get him a win you got to find a way to get him a win. Now, they could do the Nate fight. It depends what happens. If Nate just fights once and gets out of the UFC, then so be it. But if Nate finally is just like, you know what? I'm not signing a four-fight deal, but give me another two fights I'm in. Then maybe that's the fight they make. And as far as how good he's going to do, I don't know. Connor's the same guy. He's the same fighter he's been his entire career. The stand up goes crazy in the opening, seven and a half minutes of the fight. And if he can't get you out of there, he struggles. And we saw it in both Dustin fights. Not really the third one, on not really the most recent one, because Connor hit Dustin with some big shots. Dustin was turning the tables. The leg break happened. I felt pretty confident that Connor was going to get stopped in that second round, even if that fight did continue. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. Let's get – I had Natural Grappler in here. I don't know where he went. So we'll go to Keyboard Warrior instead. What's up, Keyboard Warrior? Mike, heck of a morning, buddy,
4: from Ontario, Canada. How are you? I'm great, man. Hey, happy to finally be on the show. I've been listening to you guys now for – just under a year and it's pretty much you guys are my uh, my mma source man so i just wanted to i don't want to divert too much from 275 but just you and jed on uh on no bets bard the energy there man was phenomenal i've listened to it twice such a great show uh i want to i want to say that if you ever fill in on that show again you'd be just uh it's a blessing man you guys were great G- good energy uh and i want to also tell you that as much as uh as many units as that guy has on Chevchenko, uh, sorry for hacking the name, I have on Jiri. So I took your uh, advice and I, uh, I hedged my bet a little bit with a submission from, uh, from Glover
3: just in case. So you're, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going all, like, so you're basically going all in on I Yuri? believe
4: that Yuri is the most vicious man in the UFC besides Francis Ngannou. There's no other person in the cage I would rather get into, like, not get into besides Ngannou. And second would be Jerry. That guy scares the heck out of me. That Reyes, you know, the year and knockout of to the year. You're you're bang on, man. You are absolutely bang on. You, who, oh, no. My less, he's dangerous. Guy would kill me, man. Question though, not my question. My question is actually, since it's free for all Friday, I've been trying to get a hold of Jed and he hasn't answered my tweet, but that's okay. I'm going to keep tweeting at him. My question I've been waiting to ask all of you guys is why are we sleeping on Renan Ferreira? The guy is an absolute animal. I know this is PFL and I'm kind of diverting away for 275, but that's what I'm going to leave you with this morning, man. Can somebody tell me why this guy is not signed in the UFC? Am I missing something? Because he is a problema. Nine and two with seven knockouts. That guy in the, like, nobody talks about him. I just, I'm, I'm crapping my pants over here wondering why this guy is, has no clout. That's what I'm leaving you with, buddy. When my son graduates, I'm going to be wearing a uh, a suit as well to his graduation. I want to tell you something. I'm actually serious. I know I'm not someone who goes to the website a lot. There is nobody who's listened to more podcasts from you guys in the last six months. I have had every single download on Spotify. I have heard from you guys from one to like from uh, minute one to the end of all podcasts in 2022. I'm getting my No Bets Bard shirt, and I'm going to tweet at. Uh, I'm getting it made. I'm going to tweet at uh, Jed. I finally want to get a response from that guy. So have a good day, man. Uh, Heck of a morning and heck of a weekend. Cheers to 275
3: and talk to me about Ren and I'm offline. All right. Wow. I mean, got to love that passion. Dig it. I appreciate the kind words. Yes, I had a lot of fun doing no bets with Jed. Jed said he needed to fill in. I stepped up because it was something that I don't really do all that often. I don't really talk about gambling. I'll make picks and I'll look at betting lines and just – think about different things from that end just on b- making my picks but I don't I don't bet money on fights I just feel like the role I'm in I can make picks that's as far as I'll go um, Jed's our Jed's our gambling guy so bet away but Jed told me when he asked like when I agreed to do it that he just said we're gonna hit record and go and I said perfect that's the way I like it that's the way I live my life we hit record and go we just go and that's what this show is there's no plan there's sort of an idea of where I want to go. Maybe something to bring up up the top that can in- maybe bring a conversation to light, but that's it. I look at this sport and covering the sport is we're sitting at the bar. We each have a couple of beers. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to talk about? If we're going to talk about MMA cameras on cameras off, it's the same thing, but yes, and Ferreira is, is very good. And the reason he's not in the UFC is because he's at the PFL and The PFL, he has a lot of, he can make a lot of money at the PFL. I mean, why would he want to leave there? Why would he want to leave? Like, at some point, it's going to be a legacy thing, and he's going to be like, all right, I want to test myself against better fighters, but he's making uh, a pretty good living fighting the Carl Sumon, see, Sue Matutafas, Stuart Austin's and Jamel Joneses of the world. And he's probably going to win – he's probably going to win the whole damn thing. He's probably going to win the whole thing. Dude's good. Probably going to win a million bucks. So, yeah, I think there's a chance. But he's really good. He's a powerhouse. Looks good coming off the bus. Dude could be a star. But PFL's got money, man. Make that money. Prize fighting, The, the this is how you win prize fighting. You make the most amount of money fighting the biggest names that are the most winnable fights, and which is why I never had an issue with, with Kayla resigning. I know Kayla wanted to test herself a different way. She's going to get paid no matter what, but Kayla Harrison might have the best job in the world. She gets to fight in a division that doesn't really exist. She's going to be like a minus 14,000 favorite in every single fight. Julie Bud fights interesting, but I still feel like Kayla's going to win that fight. It's just going to make a million dollars at the end of it. It's a pretty sweet deal. We're going to take two more. Viking MMA, and then usually we start with Tristan, we're going to end with Tristan. Viking MMA, are you there? The wheel is spinning. I don't know if we're going to get him. All right. Not going to happen. All right, Tristan. Final word, my man. What do you got? Hey, Mike, how's everything? What's up, buddy? All
13: right. So, um, I want to talk about at uh, um, UFC 275 on the, the early prelims. You have um, Naliang versus um, Savannah Gomez-Juarez. Um, I like – I, I want to know. I like um, Naliang in the spot right here. I forgot she was on that um, Masvidal versus uh, Usman card. I think that was the second time they fought. And – That fight started off crazy. I was like... And I thought right then and there, Nali Yang was going to have that that, that Korean zombie moment where Korean zombie knocked out Mark Hamidick. And he just... That was his second fight in the UFC. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This fight was incredible. And obviously, we saw Nali Yang lose. I think she ran out of gas. I don't know if she took that fight on short notice. But I really like her in this spot right here. I think... I mean she is I, I think she's a very exciting fighter i mean I, I don't know if she's future contending or anything in that show weight division probably not but i mean i like her in the spot right here i mean juarez is coming off two. uh she's on a what, two fight losing streak um and juarez has gotten submitted a lot so that's right in uh uh Naliang's uh wheelhouse so I like it in the spot as the underdog. I know um, Suarez is the betting favorite. So, what do you think about that fight? I think you spoke to Jet about it, but just um, probably some more uh, longer thoughts on on that uh, pre- early prelim fight. Thanks, Mike.
3: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I did mention on um, I did mention on No Bet's Bar that if there was sort of a, another sneaky underdog pick, that that might be the one to take a look at. I understand where Jed's coming from as well. Not a lot of tape to watch on these ladies. Uh, gomez Horace hasn't been in the UFC that long. And then Liang Na just, I mean, really, just has the one UFC fight, which is a crazy fight. She's been in there with some decent fighters. I mean, she's been in there with Shakarova. She's been in there with Juliana Velasquez. She's been in there with Maria Agapova. And all those names that I mentioned, she lost to all three of them. She lost all of them. Now this is a this is a while ago. Shakarova, this is twenty seventeen. Velasquez, I don't think was too long after that for Bellator, and then Agaba, uh, Agapova, excuse me, was around that. But since then, she, you know, she lost to Agapova, but she lost their next fight, and then she's gone on a nice run. I think she won four or five in a row. She had what do we have? It's all finishes, I'm pretty sure. I don't think any of them got out of the first round. Let me let me just look it up just to make sure I'm not talking out of my ass. Yep, there we go. All five finish in the first round. Two arm bars. And here's the thing: if Liang Na can fight her fight, she'll win, hundred percent. If she gets into a battle and the Singapore fans just go bananas and get into it, that's Gomez Horres' best chance to win this fight. Because, as you saw in the Vanessa Demopoulos fight, Savanya Gomez Horres can absolutely crack. She cracked Vanessa Dimopoulos. Like, a really, a shot you don't see very often in that division. Just lambasted her, crushed her. But Dimopoulos was able to survive. She got it done. And it went to the ground. And Gomez Horace could have just stood back up and probably had a good chance to win the fight. She went down. Dimopoulos submitted her. So it, just, it depends on how this plays out. I do think there'll be some fun exchanges on the feet. But I think Liang Na, if she's smart, if she just wants to go out there and get a win, get in and out of there as quick as possible. Path of least resistance, get this fight to the ground, get a submission, get out of there. Go do your media and go home. That's the right way to do it, but Liang Na, as we saw in the Ariane Connor Losey fight, she likes to get in there and just scrap it up. The fans get excited, that just fires her up and she's just gonna swing even harder. All right, I gotta get out of here. It is a busy day. We have our UFC 275 live preview show going down at 7 p.m. Eastern. So normally it's a 3. We're going at 7 because jose going got to join us. It'll be 7 a.m. over there when I let this man sleep a little bit. You know, I think it's only fair of us before we do these preview shows. Uh, and then we'll have the People's Pre-Fight Show, which, by the way, uh, People's Pre-Fight Show is being moved. It's being moved because the card now starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. So I think we'll do the People's Pre-Fight show at like 6.15 instead of 5.45. And that's it. I mean, really, that's it. I don't even, I'm just kind of rambling at this point, but I got to get out of here. Thank you very much. Appreciate all of you guys for jumping in. Yesterday's show, it, according to the live numbers, was the biggest we've had since we started doing this. Today, I think we're doing pretty well as well, and I appreciate all of you for jumping on. You guys are the best. Have a heck of a Friday. Have a heck of a morning. We love you.
1: Bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co/bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
7: Here's the truth about AI. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people.